You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, man? Welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, and we covered the Chargers for six seasons doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys, well, it's hard to even contain my excitement to start this show because it's a huge show for you guys today because we have the Chargers play-by-play announcer, Matt Money-Smith, and we've already recorded it. This is time travel. We are going back in time. You guys are going to love it. I mean, <laughs> Matt Money-Smith absolutely crushed it for us. We get some unheard Justin Herbert stories. We get some talk about Brandon Staley and so much more. So in segment two, we're going to be getting into Matt Money-Smith's thoughts on Brandon Staley and the buzz that he's brought. Talk about the Kansas City Chiefs game from a couple years ago and some of his favorite calls during his time as the play-by-play announcer. And then to wrap up the show, we'll talk about what he's looking forward to at training camp. We'll talk about Justin Herbert and some unheard stories there, which were awesome. And we'll also get into kind of his thoughts on the offense and the defense going into the season. But we're going to start the show today by talking about some ESPN future power rankings. And to make sure you guys don't miss big shows like this with Matt Money Smith. And later on in the week, Brian Baldinger will be here on Friday's show. So much exciting stuff. Make sure to follow or subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast from. So you make sure you never miss a show. But in the ESPN future power rankings, the Chargers come in at 11. So I wanted to get into that and talk about some of the things they knocked the Chargers for and some of the things they were very bullish on as far as what they think the Chargers are set up to do going into the future. So a lot of really good stuff there. I'm super excited to get into it. So let's go ahead and get into it. If you guys also need a fantasy football podcast to listen to to get you guys ready for your drafts coming up, the Lockdown Fantasy Football Show is where I get all my fantasy information. You guys can win yourself a lot of money by listening to Vinny Iyer on the Lockdown Fantasy Football Show. But let's get into these future power rankings here. And just to explain future power rankings, this is what ESPN says. To project which NFL franchise are in the best shape for the next three seasons, 2021 through 2023, we asked our panel of experts, Jeremy Fowler, Lewis Reddick, Seth Walder, and Field Yates to rate each team's quarterback situation, non-quarterback roster, drafting ability, front office, and coaching using this scale. And it goes from disastrous to elite, a 50 to 100 grade. So let's look at it, David, because the Chargers end up coming in at number 11. And I was pleasantly surprised by that. I mean, it's better than they had in years past for sure. And this is a team that, even though there's a couple questionable picks from some of the recent draft classes, with Justin Herbert on his rookie contract, with Joey Bosa and Keenan Allen both locked up for the foreseeable future, they have a lot to be excited about. Yeah, they really do. I mean, looking at this list, they're definitely very competitive. And I mean, number six for for the quarterback position, I mean, I think that's huge. That's really high praise for Justin Herbert. So to, to get that, I mean, I know looking at this, looking projecting over the next three years, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. He's on a rookie contract, cost-controlled to where, I mean, also had one of the best rookie seasons in NFL history last year. So, I mean, the Chargers are in a great spot with Justin Herbert. And a really awesome stat to know that they included was Herbert's QBR of 69.6 in 2020 is the third best by a rookie in the history of the metric dating back to 2006. It trails only Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson. 
not bad company, says Walder. I mean, definitely not bad company at all. The Chargers are set up for a lot of success having Justin Herbert under contract for the next four years. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought that up because, yeah, they do have Justin Herbert in the Chargers quarterback situation ranked as the sixth best in the league, which is a little surprising. But given the contract, given how young he is, I think that plays more into it, unlike, you know, the Tom Brady's and the Aaron Rodgers. But the overall roster, they ranked 13th in the NFL minus Justin Herbert, and you're taking him away and still being top 15. I think you'll take that in the first year of Brandon Staley and them trying to build this roster in his image, right, for lack of a better term. For the draft, they got a 78.5, which is 10th in the league. For the front office, they got a 79.8, which is 9th in the league. And, hey, Tom Telesco gets a little boost when you pick Justin Herbert, and he looks like that, right? Covers up some of the mistakes. 310 or better grades, too. I mean, isn't that pretty awesome? Yeah, top 13 in everything except for one category, and that is their biggest reason to worry here, and that is coaching. And I understand it, David. They're giving the Chargers, you know, 21 as far as where they rank amongst NFL coaches. I mean, that's pretty good for a first-year coach, right? That's better than some guys that are already there. And, you know, one of the best out of all of the new coaches, to be sure. And there's a lot of really good coaches in the league. But for us, that's not a reason to worry, right? I mean, so I think that's what's really promising about this is they could be so much higher on this list next year because the roster could be even better. But more than anything else... I think there's going to be a lot different of a thought on Brandon Staley than giving him, you know, the 21st rated head coach and coaching staff in the league. So when you see they have that much room to grow in that area, it makes, you know, okay, not only are they 11th right now in how they're ranking their future power rankings, but also there's so much future success that we can look forward to and how much they can improve just in the coaching department on how they're doing these metrics. Yeah. And I mean, imagine, you know, having coaching at 21st right now and, if the Chargers have a lot of success this year, which I think they have a good chance of doing, uh, given health, they could be much, much higher on this list. And yes, that is not my biggest worry because I, I think what is forgotten is Brandon Staley was a quarterback himself. I mean, he played quarterback uh, uh, in college. He has a, a distinct knowledge of how to play that position, and he also gets the opportunity to teach Justin Herbert, how defenses are trying to attack him, and so he can uh, get his team in the right place. So I think that's a much underrated aspect, and a reason why I'm not really concerned about his ability to develop quarterbacks. I think this system, this offense, and these weapons, and this offensive line around Justin Herbert are all reasons why I'm very excited about Brandon Staley being the Chargers head coach this year. Yeah, and just to clarify kind of what the points you're making, the biggest concern wasn't just Brandon Staley, but hiring a defensive coach to kind of take on such a promising prospect like that and to be trusted to not mess it up, right? Which, of course, it is somewhat of a concern, but I feel like it's hard because he makes you kind of forget about those things, right? He makes you forget that he's probably not the one that's supposed to be coaching Justin Herbert, even though if you could, you'd probably have him standing right next to Justin Herbert as much as possible, right? Just because... He is that influential and he just gives off such a good vibe and he communicates so well. So I think that's, you know, a reason to worry. But I think I disagree here and we both do with what could change for the better because they talk about the running backs in Austin Eckler, Larry Roundtree. The team is very high on Joshua Kelly. Three more years on a rookie deal. So the room is set up for a little while and that could change for the better, I guess. But there's a couple of things, David. I mean, I was talking about before the show. Coaching is one of the things we actually expect to be a lot better going into this season. If we were to put it all on one thing, it wouldn't be coaching. It would be 
the offensive line could change for the better, and I don't even think it'll be that close. Like, I think it could be dramatic. Yeah, I mean, that's why when I was looking at this article, I was like, well, that's a missed opportunity (laughs) because the Chargers put so much into revamping this offensive line, and they expect to get some much better results. They have some much better players in place. They got Corey Lindsley, the all-pro center. They got Matt Filer on one side, Odeo Bushi on the other, and they got Rashawn Slater, I mean, one of the best left tackle prospects in the draft this year, on this offensive line. And I think there are a lot of reasons why we think that this offensive line is going to be much better, but I think that is going to help the the running game as well. I mean, so that is going to help the running game be better. Um, and also, you know, I guess as far as that aspect is concerned, I do like what Larry Roundtree the third is going to bring to the table on third downs and in the red zone. And also just having another physical back that can kind of take some of the carries to really uh, make this three-headed monster work like a well-oiled machine. Well, and that's the thing about the running backs, right, is you didn't bring in a ton of talent out of the position. It's not like you got a big pricey free agent or you didn't use a second-round pick on a running back in the draft. You spent a later sixth-round pick on it, but you're expecting them to look so much better because of the offensive line that's in front of them. So, yeah, and that backwards kind of way of thinking, that is something that could look a lot better and something that we expect to look a lot better. But the offensive line should be much improved. The running game should be much improved. And I don't know if you can coach at least situationally worse than Anthony Lynn and company did last season or get worse special teams coaching than the Chargers have had over the last couple of seasons. So that is something I think absolutely unequivocally is going to change for the better for the Chargers. But a promising future is being built right now. And I think that's why there's so much buzz around this team. But this is the least exciting part of the show because we have Matt Money Smith, the Chargers play-by-play man, coming up right after this. And we're going to start by getting into some of his favorite calls during his time covering the Chargers, the importance or maybe non-importance of the offensive line for the Chargers, and also just how he feels about Brandon Staley being the new head coach and why sometimes just being different is enough to be better, at least for a little while. And we're going to get into that with him coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys, that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. They are taking bets for, you know, the best play-by-play guy. I'd be pushing all my money to the table for Matt Money Smith, but they don't have that on there yet. What they do have is basically any kind of sporting bet that you can think of. You guys have baseball in full swing right now that you can bet on. You also have things like UFC that are going on. You have golf that you can bet on. I mean, if you bet on golfers and you hit the right one there, you can turn a little bit of money into a ton of money. Or if you're betting on UFC, bet on the big underdog. If he just lands that one punch, if he gets into position to get that one submission, right, you're cashing out. You're walking to the bank with a smile on your face. But Bet Online is the one place that we trust. And if you only like to bet on football, there's a lot of NFL futures that are out there right now that you guys can bet on, especially Chargers-related ones. So that's really exciting as well. But right now, we can even give you guys some free money because you listen to this podcast. If you head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code Locked On. That's promo code Locked On, all caps, one word for a 50% welcome bonus at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, guys, very excited to be back here with you because we have this special guest we've been promising you all week. This is somebody we've been trying to get on the show and super excited to have on the show. We have Matt Money Smith, the play-by-play man for the Chargers, the guy that's celebrating every touchdown with you in your living room, and now we're bringing him onto the Locked On Chargers podcast. But you can find him on Twitter at Matt Money Smith. 
Pretty simple, but you can also find him if you're in L.A. He's the host of the Petros and Money Show on AM570 from 3 to 7. And he's also a TV host for NFL Network, but most importantly for us, the play-by-play man for the Chargers. So, Matt Money Smith, really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks again. Absolutely. Uh, happy to be here, guys. What's happening? Not too much. Hey, what's happening is we are you know, just around the corner from training camp, so I know we're all fiending a little bit for some content, but I do think there's one big thing that has been kind of the storyline so far of training camp and the offseason for the Chargers so far, and that is Brandon Staley. I mean, that's been one of the most exciting things. It's been his arrival, and he just seems to bring a serious buzz and energy to the team. But as someone that's gone to talk with him a few times, what has impressed you most about Brandon Staley and his short time as head coach? Um, you know, it, it's just different. It's, he's so much different than Coach Very Lynn. Different. And, you know, I, I, I really love Coach Lynn. Uh, just an awesome guy. You can totally see why he was a player's coach. He was no-nonsense. Uh, someone that had been through those wars and knows, you know, how physical this game is. But, you know, Staley is, is man, he's impressive. Like, you just get the sense that this is, you know, this is someone who has poured over countless hours, you know, days, weeks, months, years worth of football and has fine-tuned, you know, all of that study and research into what he's now going to be able to implement for his shot, his first time as a head coach. Um, and it's interesting, you know, because there are those that, that believe, you know, there's, there's something to be said. Every team is good. All these players are good. It's all in the motivation and getting them to play for you as a coach. And there's others that believe, well, you've got to gain a schematic advantage have a system uh, that's effective and that other teams struggle to, to sort through. And I think Staley has certainly shown that he's capable of doing that since, you know, last year's Rams team wasn't just a great defense, but a historically great defense. So, you know, I'm excited about, uh, about the, the staff that he's built. I'm excited about, you know, coach Lombardi and, you know, and coach day and kind of this hybrid saints Shanahan offensive scheme that Justin Herbert's going to be able to run. And I think probably like most people, and we all do this, we just get excited for change. I mean, there are some that are hesitant to change, but I think a lot of us, if something wasn't working, and I think that's kind of maybe how it felt with, with Coach Lynn, you know, last year, even though Herbert put up all those great numbers, I think it just started to feel like, well, something's not right. Because, you know, you can't keep losing games where you have leads in the fourth quarter. You can't keep having bad final three minutes, you know, or timeout totally. management or execution, you know. And I think that's, you know, cause for excitement. And somebody new's coming in that really seems to have, uh, a firm plan and a grasp on that plan and all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted when you go into those Sunday showdowns. Yeah. I mean, his press conferences for me have been appointment television. I mean, that's been, it's been something that's been really, really awesome to hear him speak. Um, and you can't help but be excited, but you've been the play-by-play announcer for the chargers for about four seasons now. And you know, what would you say has been one of your favorite games or your favorite plays that you've been able to call? Oh, that's an easy one. Um, well, I guess it's not an easy one. Favorite game would either be the Thursday nighter in Kansas City oh, yeah. uh, during the 12 and 4 season or the, the wild card win in Baltimore. You know, the wild card yeah. win in Baltimore was fun because, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, who's, you know, the, the color analyst on the broadcast, he used to work there. So he's got a lot of friends. And just the, the fait accompli attitude of all of his former Baltimore buddies that were either in the broadcast or still working for the team and just, yeah, you know, uh, uh, you you saw what, you know, this looks like now with Lamar Jackson. Too bad you had to pull the Ravens. You know, you probably deserve better with a 12-4 and four record. Probably going to make easy work for you this time around. And then just to go out and, and really kick them in the teeth was a lot of fun. 
um, to call and to win a playoff game. And, and you know, how, how great that felt after a 12-4 and four season. So that one was great. But I think probably the Kansas City Thursday nighter and, and on top of that, the you know, the Mike Williams two-point conversion from Phillip yeah. Rivers um, was, was the favorite play. Because, man, it was just, you know, that whole fourth quarter was just balls. I mean, it was all just big <laughs> freaking balls on display. Yeah. The fourth down pass to Travis Benjamin, the touchdown pass, the two-point, let's go for it for two. Um, it was just awesome. It was such a fun atmosphere. And, and it's probably it's probably my favorite road venue. Um, you know, not necessarily my favorite road city, but my favorite road venue. I love Arrowhead, man. Those fans are awesome. The tailgate is awesome. Um, and, and to be able to, to really, you know, basically silence them in the final 15 seconds of that game and see them all walk into their cars with their heads hanging was so cool. Yeah, and you don't really get walk-offs, right, in the NFL very often. But that's about as close as you're going to get to a walk-off. I mean, seeing him run off the field, I mean, that had to be the best season, I mean, out of all of them. I mean, obviously their most successful season in 2018, going 12-4, and beating the Ravens after you, they had beat you, right, in that game earlier in the regular season. But when you talk to you about something important, because – we are fans of what the Chargers did in the draft this year, and you played a key role in the Chargers draft success because you were the one that had to transport the lucky surfboard. But even with all of that luck circulating around the war room, I mean, even you still had to be surprised when the Chargers had Rashawn Slater fall to them in the first round, and then Asante Samuel Jr. falls to them in the second round, just knocking off two big needs for the team and getting it in the first two rounds. I was floored. I truly was. I was absolutely floored uh, that, that Slater was there just because, you know, you see um, you see the premium that is paid right. for the offensive line. You know, it's like, you, you know, you know what teams are willing to pay for, for average guards, for average tackles, and to be able to get one that's cost controlled for five years, especially one that was rated as high as Slater, um, and to watch him slide all the way to their pick. I, you know, I, I do stuff for NFL Network, and I was doing some mock draft stuff and podcasts here and TV shows there, and there was not a single one from all the different analysts that we had doing their mock drafts that had Slater falling to the Chargers without them having to trade up. So um, in terms of need matching up with talent and best player available, I, I thought it was – it could not have broke better for them this year and and man it's going to be fun to watch this revamped offensive line it's boring for the fans I think for the most part you know it's not a flashy wide receiver a skill position player defensive end something like that but man it's it's going to go a long way to have that guy no question about it I mean the Chargers have had a big hole at the left tackle position for a long time I mean they haven't had anybody they can plug and play in there and really feel comfortable about but, I mean, the Chargers weren't – I mean, they did made a lot of changes on the offensive line. And one of the crowning jewels of that was signing all-pro center Corey Lindsley. Uh, I mean, they made a lot of changes in the offseason on the offensive line. But how do you – how important do you think making those changes are going to be to the success of this team in 2021? You know, it's, it's, I, I think it's um, – I think I'm probably a little different than everyone else. And, and I don't know, um, you know, kind of why more people haven't picked up on this. Um, look, Justin Herbert was effective behind a bad offensive line last year. You know, the offense executed. The offense put up points. Herbert was putting up 300 yards a game. He was putting up two touchdowns a game. They, they had leads in, in five different games in the fourth quarter that they ended up losing. So 
it's awesome that the, the you know that the O line is going to be better. And I guess the one caveat that I'll add to that is, look, they could not run the ball last year. So if this offensive line doesn't just protect Herbert better, but also is able to more effectively, you know, install a run game and build a run game, then yes, you know that that then makes a lot more sense to me because now you can chew up clock and you're not putting your defense on the field too often kind of stuff because you're throwing the ball so much. So, you know, I'll put that caveat in there, but the offense played well last year. You know, it was really the defense that, that had a lot of issues last season and, and led to a lot of losses where they were on the field with a lead and gave up a, a touchdown or a field goal that, that ended up putting the Chargers behind when they had been ahead. Yeah, and I mean, I think there's a lot to do with coaching, too, and just how you coach the game and how aggressive you are at the end of games, especially when you have a lead. But I think it was those moments. I mean, if you look at the playoff teams, most of those teams have good offensive linemen, right? I mean, for the most part, most of those teams have good offensive lines. But it seemed like when the Chargers, when it got down to crunch time, all of those flaws were getting exposed offensively and defensively. Because, yes, I mean, the great offensive line in some ways is going to help you keep a lead. But it's not going to help your defense at all, right? Save the lead when they're on the field. So I definitely get your point there. But we have so much more we want to talk to you about because we haven't even talked about Justin Herbert, someone I know you're excited to talk about and call his plays in 2021. So we're going to get in Justin Herbert, what we're excited about in training camp and take a look at the offense and defense coming up right after this. Before we get back to Matt Money Smith, who is, I mean, crushing it. I also need to tell you guys about the best protein bar in the world. And you know, if you listen to this show, I'm talking about Built Bars because... I eat Bilt Bars almost every day. Usually, I'm on the run. I live a pretty hectic lifestyle working my job and doing this show as well. So, me and David are both constantly on the move. And Bilt Bars are my number one snack to eat because it's one of the only things that I have that I can have something that tastes great. Because for me, if it doesn't taste great, I'm not going to eat it. And also, at the same time, fits on whatever diet I'm doing. It's great tasting and great for you. I mean, most of the bars have under 160 calories. They have a ton of protein, usually 17 to 18 grams of protein, and only four grams of sugar and four grams of net carbs. And the best thing is you can have variety. You can switch things up. You can go with one of my favorites, peanut butter brownie, or one of my new favorites, cookies and cream. There's so many good flavors to choose from, and you'll never get bored of having the same flavors, right? You can have so many flavors with Built Bar. Right now, if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15, and we'll even save you some money because you can have 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, guys, we're back here with Matt Money Smith. Super excited. I don't usually get this excited for a guest, but this is just a man that brings so much. <laughs> I mean, it's just different when you're hearing the voice you listen to, right? When you're listening on the radio and you get that play-by-play, you're the guy that has to make it exciting when a touchdown is scored and all of those things. But for those who don't already know, you can find Matt Money Smith on Twitter at Matt Money Smith. It doesn't get much easier than that. Great handle. But he's also a TV host for NFL Network and the play-by-play announcer for the Chargers. So let's get into one thing we didn't in the last segment, and that is Justin Herbert, because you had a front row seat to his historic rookie season and just doing things that we never expected, that pretty much no mock draft expert ever expected so many people were wrong about him and you got to see all the things he did right in 2020 but now going into 2021 how excited are you to see what justin herbert turns into this year yeah very um you know and count me in i'm I'm not as one of the experts but as one of the people that you know spends a lot of time doing college football and covering the draft and you know there was very little that we saw at oregon 
you know, save the winning and, and perhaps that should have been weighed more, but you always hear, yeah, sure. it's so hard to count wins. Um, but there were skeptics and I was one of them, you know, it wasn't, he wasn't a guy that was asked to do a lot in Oregon. And, and so you really kind of wondered, you know, when he stepped on that field and I had no idea, nor did DJ, uh, DJ had to tap me and turn his microphone off and say, Justin Herbert, <laughs> Justin Herbert in the Chiefs game. So um, it was an, it was a very cool way for him to introduce, you know, himself to all the Chargers fans and really to football fans and to the NFL, you know, under those circumstances. Um, and I think it just speaks to, and it's such an important trait to have as a quarterback, right? Just the calmness, um, right. the, the, that, that, that heartbeat that does not peak when the bullets start flying, when, when things get crazy. And, and that goes such a long way. You know, it, it's the same for a pitcher, right? You've got to be able to forget the last pitch. And he certainly was able to forget the last inter- incompletion. Uh, he didn't have a lot of them, but he was able to put bad interceptions behind him and win games. And, and it's just so impressive to see that sort of maturity matched up with that sort of talent. Uh, I think the one thing, and there's a few players that, um, that it, that it happens with, but you hear about just kind of the size and all oh, dude, Justin Herbert's a horse, man. He's a big dude. He's a freaking <laughs> ox. And, and he is like this. I remember that, you know, one of the first instances of that I had was Brady Quinn. Um, when you saw him on the field for no, it was back when he was playing at Notre Dame and saw him on the field and you're like, yeah, who is this guy? He was like doing freaking curls, you know, in his off time and he's all swole. And, and then you stand next to him and you're like, Oh, that's, he's just a horse. I mean, that's how this guy's built. He's a legit six, six and all freaking muscly. And that's Herbert, you know, he's just built differently. Um, and I think that goes a long way in the NFL and you've seen a number of quarterbacks. I mean, I think that's, you know, Tom Brady, people don't realize how tall and how big Tom Brady is. Same with Peyton Manning and Phillip rivers. And when you get next to these guys that have longevity and great success, you know, I think sometimes, you know, scouts and, and people that, that kind of rate and, and figure out and project players, forget how physical of a game this is, you know, and, and forget how important it is to, to be available and to be able to stand in there and take a hit because you know your body will hold up. And I, I think far too often we've seen players with high completion percentages or eye-popping stats or the ability to run around, you know, get people excited versus, oh, this guy's huge. And so are the guys opposite of him and he's going to get hit a lot. And we wonder whether or not he's going to be able to take those hits. And and to me, that was one thing that really stood out with Herbert is his willingness to take the hit to deliver the play. And, and that, you know, that I thought was so far beyond his years. Um, You know, young players tend to, you know, when you start getting hit in the NFL, you're like, Holy crap, this is not (laughs) Pac 12 anymore. Um, these guys are all bigger, stronger, faster, and hit harder. I remember Maurice Jones Drew told me a story when Shoelace Robinson came to the Jags mm-hmm. and converted to running back. And, and he's like, I remember telling him, I told him, listen, the, the best advice I can give you is when you get in that hole and it gets dark, don't you put your head down. It's different <laughs> now. It's different now in the NFL. Don't you dare put your head down. He goes, and sure enough, first game, he gets in that hole and he's looking down. And he comes to the sideline and his helmet was on sideways and he's looking out of the ear hole. And he said, you told me, and I didn't listen. And I think that's, you know, I think that just illustrates how different it is and, and how well Herbert was able to overcome that. And some of the shots that he took and just the fact that he kept dishing it out, you know, play after play. And, and that's why I just, 
you know, and I know it's a long answer and I don't even know if I answered the question, but I, I kind of just use that as an illustration because I think that's to me, what helps guarantee future success is knowing, you know, that, that that adversity is there and it's always going to be there. And the willingness to a embrace it and b overcome it, I think goes such a long way and isn't, you know, and, and is not brought up enough when it comes to what Herbert did all last season. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, money. I mean, two two things come to mind. I mean, when he threw the interceptions, he was able to learn from those and not make those same mistakes twice. And then two, when he laid out that linebacker from Kansas City, I knew he was that dude. <laughs> well, I usually, mean, usually yeah. too, like it, you either have the ability to throw a ball accurately with a three hundred and fifty pound man breathing down your neck when you know you're going to get crushed, or you don't, right, David? So, like seeing that, I mean, I think put all the confidence into us. No question about but it. Yeah, I'll I'm tell you. I, I, I'll tell you guys just to jump back in there before we move on from from Herbert. You know, so I was at the combine on the field, um, and that's one of the great things I've been able to do with my NFL Network job is I've always been on the field with a field pass, and I can just walk around with a microphone in my hand, and that's how we're doing the broadcast. And I was on the field when Herbert was going through the quarterback drills. Uh, you know, and not every quarterback throws. Obviously, Herbert wanted to throw. There were questions of where he was going to pick. You know, there were a, a lot of issues with Herbert and one of the overriding concerns was his unwillingness to cut it loose, that he was very mechanical and that he was always aiming the ball. Um, and, and that, you know, would prohibit him from fully, you know, from becoming a, a good NFL quarterback that you don't, you can't mentally process things. You can't aim the ball. You have to have that natural talent and ability to just get the ball, get your read and let it fly. Mm-hmm. And the first couple throws, were indicative of that, right? You could tell that he was processing and he wanted to put the ball exactly between the numbers, exactly in stride, and it wasn't going well. I, I'd say like his first five, six throws, um, they, you know, he threw a dirt ball in there, and I, I can't remember who was – it might have been Knapp, actually, sadly to say, you know, with what's going on with Coach, Coach Knapp right now, um, but it might have been him that grabbed him and said, what are you doing? You have the best arm on this field, and it's not close. Just yeah. – F and get after it, man. <laughs> and it was like, and, and after he kind of shook it out of him, dude, he put on a freaking show. Like, I mean, it was a laser show of what he was doing. After that coach just grabbed him and, and said, stop it. You're going to miss some throws. Just show off that arm, dude. You, yeah. You're the guy. And it was, and I think that's kind of maybe what happened to him between Oregon and the Chargers is he got, you know, coach Beck got with him, his independent coach, his individual coach. And I think they were able to say, hey, dude, this is not going to be perfect. You're not painting a masterpiece every time you go out. There's going to be some blemishes and you're going to make some mistakes. So don't try to have a perfect game because nobody's ever had a perfect game at quarterback in the NFL. And I think that really went a long way for him to embracing the quarterback that he'll ultimately become. Yeah. And I think we're all really excited to see what that looks like, but I mean, moving on to a uh, Chargers training camp, it's right around the corner money. And, uh, you know, I know you're going to be out there. Uh, you know, you, you got yeah. your team responsibilities. I mean, what are you going to be watching out for at training camp in Costa Mesa? Well, you know, I think there's some obvious position battles that, that we're keeping an eye on. Um, one's going to be that third wide receiver. Yeah. You know, they, they opted not to go into the, the veteran free agent market. It seemed like there were some affordable one-year rentals, you know, the, the Will Fullers, the Marvin Jones, and they felt good about what they had in-house because um, they had the money to spend. And they right. certainly could have gone out and done it, um, but they opted not to. And that leads me to believe that, you know, instead they, they either believe in, in Tyron Johnson or, or Jalen Guyton or Josh Palmer, 
whom they drafted. Um, so I'm, I'm interested to see who that player is going to be um, because we know, you know, that if, if you run it, he will throw, you know, and, and <laughs> when you've got those four or three guys in, in Guyton and in Johnson, you know, we saw it repeatedly, you know, he was not a snob with the ball, you know, granted Keenan Allen got an incredible amount of targets and understandable, you know, he's as reliable as any receiver, if not the most reliable receiver in the NFL. So I get that part of it, but um, that's what I'm looking at. I'm, I'm anxious to see um, the rookies and, and kind of because so I think so much of their draft, I know, you know, Tom Tulesco was the best player available, but if you look at it, it really was a need-based draft. You know, sure. they needed depth on the defensive line, Chris Rump. They needed another tight end, and Trey McKinney, they think, is a full-service tight end, a blocking tight end, you know, and someone that they can develop into a pass catcher. You know, they needed a starting quarterback. They got Asante Samuel. So that's a lot of rookies. You know, Rashawn Slater's going to be the starting left tackle. So I'm anxious to see how those guys come along, especially with the new rules surrounding how much field time you can have. Right. Um, with these players, you know, that's great for vets and not getting them too banged up, not good for rookies. So if, if you're expecting Asante Samuel, Rashawn Slater, Josh Palmer, Trey McKinney to all have big roles, I think we're going to want to see, you know, some serious progress from them throughout the first couple of weeks of training camp and in those preseason games. Yeah, because you're expecting contributions from rookies, which is always, you know, you're hoping that all of those guys are going to hit, but just historically, that's not how it works. I mean, that is almost never how it ends up going, but it'll be interesting to see Brandon Staley at training camp in that two-spot system they're using, just trying to get guys as many reps as possible. I think that'll obviously help things along, hopefully, as well, but Looking at the defense specifically, obviously it's going to change a lot from last year, going from Gus Bradley to now Brandon Staley and Ronaldo Hill. So who are some of the defenders that you're most excited to see how Brandon Staley uses them compared to how they potentially were used in the past? Well, you know, I think the look, the obvious the obvious answer is Derwin, right? Because he's he's of just course. a Swiss Army knife. And, and you can imagine him being that Jalen Ramsey type and what he was able to do with Jalen, where he played him at safety, played him at slot, played him outside, uh, rushed the passer with him. You know, we know that Derwin James, I mean, the stories, the superlatives are endless, right? He's a guy <laughs> that in his high school championship game told the coach to put him on the field to play defensive end when they had to make a defensive stand to win the game. I mean, like that's that's Derwin. So I'm anxious to see all the different ways he's going to the, the deploy Derwin. The other one is probably Adderley. I think, I think both safeties, you know, just because of how, how bad it went last year. I mean, right. Adderley, when they drafted Adderley, I felt like they hit the jackpot. Just that he was the Same. perfect comp, right. The perfect compliment to Derwin. So I'm anxious to see if this defensive staff is going to be able to unlock that combo that so many people thought, was was a perfect match um i'm a little nervous about the corner depth you yeah. know I, I i thought i thought maybe and i think they i think they really wanted to get out there um i think they made a play um for fuller and you know so i i just i feel like they know that there might be some depth issues at corner and, and i'm a little concerned um about that and you know what i think drew tranquil is wildly underrated i i think charger fans know how good he is but you know his return is, I think it's going to help Kenneth Murray so much to, to not to have both of those guys on the field at the same time. I think it's going to go a long way to, to getting, you know, Murray to look like what we thought he could look like. And he started to come on later in the year, but I'm excited when I hear, you know, Staley and, and he'll say, Hey, we're, we're excited to cut Kenneth loose and get after yeah. him a little bit more. Cause that's what he should do. I mean, that guy is such a freaking specimen. 
I think the the less thinking and the more plain, you know, and you always hear that from players, right? Like, hey, let let me just go out there, see it. I know what I'm seeing. I know this game better than anybody else. Let me just see it and make it happen. And it felt like last year they just put a lot on them. And it, yeah. it may have slowed them down just that tick until they kind of were able to crack that code and realize they needed to dial some of that back later in the season when he really started coming alive. Yeah, and let him play downhill. Let him get after the quarterback, too. I mean, there's just so yeah. many different aspects of his game that I don't think the Chargers tapped into. And I think Brandon Staley is going to do that with him this year. So I'm really excited about that. But the Chargers are heading into this season with a ton of talent on the offensive side, too, with playmakers like Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, just to name a few. I mean, what are your expectations for the Chargers offense this year under new offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi? Well, you know, I think the offense, you know, kind of going back to where we started, right, with the offensive line, I think if the offensive line is able to open up, you know, holes in this in this running game, you know, I think Huge. that's going to go such a long way, you know, and, and to just establish the run and, and get it going a little bit more. Um, you know, it was such a disappointment last year. And I think, you know, those of us in L.A., we saw Josh Kelly, you know, we know what he was able to do at, at UCLA. Um, how good of a runner he was, how hard of a runner he was. And, and I just think it was unfortunate because those holes weren't there. The guy was getting hit behind the line of scrimmage right. and was still able to get a yard or two yards out of it. So I'm very hopeful, you know, of, of all those things. Look, I feel like the, I think the passing game is going to be fine. I, I think it's going to be great. I shouldn't say fine. I think it's going to be great. I, I, I believe in their weapons. I believe in, you know, what Lombardi's going to dial up from that Saint system. I believe in what, you know, Coach Day is going to dial up from the Shanahan system, and they're going to get it going. I'm also, you know, I'd also like to see a little bit more movement out of Herbert. You know, I, I think, you know, I don't know why you wouldn't want to use his athleticism more or why right. they chose not to use it more last year. That always seemed odd to me. Put pressure on the defense. Make them use all 11 guys. Um, so I think you're going to see, cause you know, obviously that's a staple of Shanahan's offense too, is getting that quarterback on the move and the threat of him using his legs to gain yardage. So I'm anxious to see a lot more uh, of that as well. And, and look, I think I'll tell you this, and you know, it's one of the great things about working with, with Daniel is he knows everybody, you know, he's been in this <laughs> game so long and, and he's such a great dude that everybody loves him. So whenever we go, whenever we're on a game day and I'm walking the field with him, everybody's talking to him, all the coaches, all the coordinators, um, all the front office people. And I'll say like more often than not, the the name that came up on offense that everybody was talking about was Austin Eckler. Like, man, that guy is a nightmare. I don't know right. how we're going to slow him down. He doesn't go down. He's, you know, he's, he's a nightmare in the passing game. He's strong as hell between the tackles. So I just want to see Austin healthy, man. I want to see Austin healthy behind a great offensive line. And I think he's going to be able to put up some serious numbers and have a special season. That was supposed to be the last question, but I'm totally taking advantage of this. I have to know, how good was Josh Kelly last year in training camp? Because there is like some mythological, you know, stories that have come out about him, you know, being one of the best offensive players at training camp last year, which is why so many people were high on him. Was he really, was he that good? Like, I feel like that would give Charger fans more confidence that he can bounce back this season, not with the offensive line, obviously. He was. I mean, he was great. But you know what? That happens every year. Sure. Every year there's someone. Like, I remember. I think one year it was Austin Eckler. <laughs> exactly. One year it was Austin Eckler. But I remember Brandon Faison was one of those guys. Like, he just had yeah. a monster camp. And I remember when we were talking about the final roster, we were like, there's no way Faison can't be on this squad because he's going to get scooped up. He's got the size. He had a monster camp, had that great preseason game. 
and they didn't even make the squad and nobody picked them up. It's like, yeah. what the hell were we, you know, what were we watching? So I think every year um, that happened. And yeah, right. Josh had a great, great camp. Um, and I think also with Josh, one of the things that happened is remember he had that fumble in the Panthers game. Two yeah, back, that was, yeah, back uh, to back weeks he had fumbles. There's the Panthers game and then the game after that as well against the exactly. Saints. Exactly. So I, but, and I think that Panthers fumble got in his head because that was a bad one. You know, that was yeah. the game they, they should have won. It was coming off the disappointment against Kansas City where they really felt like they had that thing and, and let it slip away. And then to, to go up against the Panthers team that a lot of people were projecting to be the worst team in the league and lose the way they did, I think that really got in his head and, and made him a little tentative and afraid to put the ball on the, And I think also part of that was coaching too, you know, because there is that, that certainly was a, that was a, that was a hallmark of Anthony Lynn and his do not turn the ball over. It's why Phillip Rivers really drove him nuts. Right. in some games. Um, and you would always kind of hear him talk about and very carefully, you know, tiptoe around it, but you would hear him regularly say things like, well, you know, you just can't give the ball away like we did today. You yeah. know, and, and I think that also, you know, that got into Josh's head. I think just knowing what his coach was like when it came to turnovers, uh, I think certainly affected him and because it happened so early in the, in the season. Yeah, and just to, you know, emphasize that point, he had 168 yards in the first three weeks, and he had 188 yards the rest of the season, the final 13 weeks of the season. So there was definitely some confidence lost there. And you have to fumble and then go back to your head coach, who was a former NFL running back, which can't be a very easy thing to do. But Matt, just have to thank you so much again for the time. And again, you guys can find him on Twitter at MattMoneySmith. You can find him on any Chargers game on the radio with Daniel Jeremiah. He is the play-by-play man, and he's also a TV host for NFL Network and the host of the Petros and Money Show for AM 573-7 throughout the week. I mean, one of the best sports shows out there. So, Matt, thank you so much again, man. Can't wait to have you back on. You really brought it for us. Thank you again for being so gracious with your time. Oh, you got it, guys. Anytime. Look forward to it. All right, well, wow. I mean, can't tell you enough how much I appreciate Matt Money Smith coming on the show. Absolutely killed it for us, but that is going to wrap things up for today's show. On tomorrow's show, I think we're going to be looking at cornerbacks. It's one of the things that Matt Money just talked about, the depth there. So I think we're going to break down the cornerback position group. But to make sure you guys don't miss our show on Friday with NFL Network analyst and the creator of Baldy's Breakdown, Brian Baldinger coming on the show with us on Friday. Make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there, whether that's the new Odyssey app, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're really coming out with the bang this week with a couple of really, really good interviews back now five days a week for you guys. So, you know, we will be back with you guys tomorrow. But you can also find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports and David on Twitter at DroTalkSD. We post all of the shows to both of our pages and we also... Post it on the Locked On LAC, which is where you can find us on Twitter. You can also find the show on Instagram at Locked On Chargers and on our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. We will do some voicemails soon. If you guys want to send in some training camp voicemails, we will get into them next week probably. The number is 323-524-7924. We try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But what an interview today with Matt Money Smith. I mean, it seriously has me jacked up. David, I know you're jacked up. Such a fun interview today. That we got with Matt Money Smith. Definitely going to have him on the show today. And super excited to have Brian Baldinger join the show as well. So make sure you guys check back on Friday when that episode drops. And just every day by subscribing or following wherever you get the show from. But that's going to do it for us today. We'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.